Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Peter Teresa McConnell, and I am joined by my two esteemed and dear friends, brothers, and colleagues, the one and the only Deacon Elijah DeLello. I, why do you compliment me so much on the podcast? <laughs> Is it not indicative of how I speak about you in real life? I mean, that would be wonderful if I woke up every morning and you said, my esteemed colleague and brother, how are you? Oh, I can start to do that. Uh, All right. You know. And we are also joined by the one and the only Brother Paul Grotman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show, dear brothers. Thank you. It's been a it's been a little bit of a trial today. We've tried to do this podcast maybe five, six, seven times, and it has failed every time. So, if you're listening to this, then we have persevered, and somehow we got it to work. I didn't like the way you were introducing me. We got to start over. <laughs> it's the fifth time. The computer. I had to really had to really kind of give you give you your flowers. Yes. Excellent. Well. Uh, brothers, we are continuing our series on the sacraments. We've done some introductory episodes on the sacraments. So if you haven't had an opportunity, we recommend that you would go back and listen to those as they kind of set the groundwork. They set the stage, if you will, on what we're talking about today. And our last two episodes, we have talked about the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of confirmation. And now we will be getting to uh, the last sacrament of initiation mm-hmm. uh, and the, the sacrament par excellence. Yes. Uh, the sacrament of, of the Eucharist. I thought you were going to use another language. <laughs> yeah, I was going to speak another language? Yeah, you said par excellence, and I thought maybe you were going to say something else. I was going to just do the whole podcast like in and out of French. It would be great. It's kind of the only French. I, well, that's not true. I know another French expression. You do? I do, yeah. What is it? It's mon Jésus, je t'aime. What does that mean? <laughs> it means my Jesus, I love you. That's wonderful. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a sister who knew French teach me that one time. Wow. So if you would ever like to tell Jesus you love him in the most romantic language there is, which mm. is French, wow. you just tell him mon Jésus, je t'aime. If they learn nothing else from these next few weeks, that would be a great thing to remember. So if you're ever feeling particularly romantic uh, with the Lord, there's a little uh, there's a little something you can tell in French. But that is not why we're here. We're not here for, for French lessons from, from Father Peter Teresa. Uh, we're here to talk about the the sacraments, in yes. particular the, the sacrament of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I said that the, the sacrament of the Eucharist is the last of the sacraments of initiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you guys could just maybe share and talk about um, what are wh- what are what are sacraments of initiation? What are you being initiated into? And and, and uh, maybe just go a little refresher on 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 that. Yes. So the sacraments of initiation. Um, so within the seven sacraments, there's different ways of dividing the the different sacraments into groups according to what they do. And so the first three that we've covered so far, baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist are called the sacraments of initiation. 
because they initiate you or they bring you into the the church, the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Yeah. So with baptism, where you receive that grace of being forgiven of original sin, and if you're an adult, any personal sin, along with the that indelible mark that we talked about, that seal that marks you as as a, a child of God, as a, a visible member of the church. Uh, and then confirmation is a deepening uh, of those graces. It's a, it's a maturation of those graces um, where you more fully commit yourself to the church and her mission. And then today, as we'll talk about, the Eucharist is kind of, in a very real way, what those are tending toward. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's that grace of, of union with God, which, I mean, the whole Christian life is tending toward. Yeah. So not and not just the sacraments of initiation, but all of the sacraments yeah. are sort of uh, leading to uh, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so we have this this really neat expression that we get from uh, we get from the church documents where we call the Eucharist uh, the source and the summit of, of the Christian life. Uh, and it's the summit of the sacraments. Um, and so, so what do we mean by that the Eucharist is the source, that the Eucharist is the summit, and then all the other sacraments are kind of, you know, tending towards or, or lead towards uh, the Eucharist? That's a loaded question, Father. <laughs> well, fire that gun, brother. <laughs> um, so... The, when we were talking about some of the other sacraments, you know, we talk about what the the grace or the the you know the effect of the sacrament is, and so for the Eucharist, the Eucharist again is a sacrament of union. So mm. it's what brings us, you know, it's it's what makes us more and more one with Christ because we are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and so uh, it brings us into union with Jesus, and so. While baptism, again, is like that first sacrament that opens us up to receive all the other sacraments, and then the other sacraments uh, work within our lives, um, either to help to repair that relationship or to strengthen mm-hmm. that relationship or um, vocationally to, to give us the graces to live out that relationship in a specific way. The Eucharist is the one that both nourishes um, and, in a sense, prefigures or shows us mm kind of where we're going, you know, because yeah. in heaven, it's it's going to be that that total, complete, intimate union with God. And so the Eucharist is, in a very real way, it's a foretaste of of heaven, of that, that intimate union with God that, yeah. that we'll experience for all eternity. Can't wait for that. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that will be very nice, won't it? The, these, these two words that we use to to talk about the, the Eucharist. Well, I mean, I guess first, I mean, let's just say, I mean, like, what is the Eucharist? Body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So it's, so how is that different than like the other sacraments and, and how we encounter God um, and then the Eucharist? Is there like a, is there like a gradation? Is there like a level? Is there, is there a difference or is it all kind of the same? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we would say that the other sacraments are like conjoined instruments of Christ, meaning that like, they're like the, 
trying to think of like how to describe like conjoined instrumentality. Um, it's a good word. Conjoined <laughs> instrumentality. But, uh, well, just to say that like Christ is present in the sacraments that he's the one conferring grace. So there's almost a sense of like Christ is like doing an action to you. And by, by like conjoined, it means it's like, it's, it's intrinsic. It's like, it's tied to his person mm. and he's, it's like conjoined, meaning that he's using the sacraments to give you grace. But the distinction would be that in the Eucharist, it is Christ himself that like, um, yeah. That it is his body, blood, so on. But you're actually like receiving him, yeah. his own inner life, um, and everything that that like stands for. But I don't know if you can explain that better, Deacon. Or yes. Um, so conjoined instrument. Um, just to kind of parse that out a little bit. Um, so an instrument would be like something that you can use to uh, to do something. So mm -hmm. like an artist uses the instrument of a pencil or a paintbrush in order to bring forth that image or that art that is within them, and they express it through mm -hmm. the instrument of the paintbrush onto the canvas. Um, so similarly, the, the sacraments are the instruments that Christ uses to to communicate and to affect those graces which he alone merited on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so because Jesus is the one who who wins those graces and because Jesus is the only one who can also distribute those graces, um, you know, he is the one who also then chooses the way to do that. And that's the sacraments. Um, a conjoined instrument would be um, something that is not separate, but it's something that is, you know, part of you know, the person or the, you know, that they're using this in order to then communicate that, that grace. So Christ's humanity would be a conjoined instrument hmm. um, that he uses then to communicate that grace. And so in a very real way, because in the Eucharist, as brother was saying, we receive not just the divinity of Christ, but it's the body, blood, yeah. soul, and divinity of Christ. So his humanity is actually also present there. And so he uses, um, you know, his own humanity and then through his humanity in the Eucharist, he uses the Eucharist as, as that conjoined instrument to, to give us himself, communicate that grace. Yeah. yeah to give yeah. us himself. <clears throat> One of the things that I think is, is maybe we don't often think about enough when it comes to the Eucharist as the source and the summit of, of our Christian life and, and how it differs from the other sacraments is that all the, the other six sacraments, um, you know, they're, they're, they're primarily ordered towards um, making those who receive them holy. Um, so we receive baptism makes us holy. We go to confession that makes us holy. Um, even, you know, anointing of the sick and the other sacraments, they're, they're, they're to make us holy. They're to sanctify us. But the Eucharist is different in that respect in that uh, that it's primarily ordered towards first uh, just to give God glory, um, just to glorify God, um, that, that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, um, and that we are offering, we are offering the Son um, to the Father, and so that so that the Son may be glorified and that the Father might be glorified and the Spirit might be glorified. And I think so often we can think of the Eucharist about, you know, what am I going to get? 
um, you know, because we do get <laughs> the most amazing thing ever. We get the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. But but that's not primarily what the Eucharist is about, that it is primarily about giving God glory. And I don't think we always approach the Eucharist with that that mentality or that sense or or, or that thought. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, Christ is really there. So we're really worshiping, really worshiping God. <laughs> I mean, that's really God that we're worshiping up on the altar there. So yeah. Well, it's also like in a mysterious way too that the Eucharist is, is to your point about like giving worship unto God. That the Eucharist is intrinsically tied to the Mass. Yes. And so it is like a part of like the sac, like the one atoning like sacrifice made present during the like the 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 Holy Mass. That's like the representation of like the, the, the holy act of Christ on the cross. But then also like offering him to the father, the expiatory sacrifice. Um, and so like th that's, that's like that's all contained within the Eucharist. That it's, yeah. you know, and in that way, it's like the summit of like Christian worship. And that in the Eucharist, we see like the, the perfect sacrifice that brought us into like union with the father. That like then merits for all eternity, our salvation, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, um, it makes us worthy to be called sons and daughters of God. Um, so it does stand, you know, like you get a st like a sticky image is like, yeah, when like when the the priest does raise the host above mm -hmm. his head, that it would like that is the summit, you know, like there's no greater dignity that you'll ever see than you know, yeah. that a human person given than to, to be present at that moment. Maybe I'd like to talk to you guys about maybe just that word, because um, it, because I think in our modern context, you know, like ritual sacrifice, um, we're really kind of really far away from you know what the belief like uh, Christians in Jesus's time, uh, or as it was as the gospel was encountering other religions as it was spreading from 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 Jerusalem to, to the ends of the earth and that, um, that there's a sacrifice made unto God. And so maybe you could just, maybe just talk about like, why do we need to offer a sacrifice unto God? Um, and then why is, why are we sacrificing Jesus? Um, maybe, maybe that might just, if you guys have any, want to share why, 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 why is sacrifice such an important part or necessary part of, of our worship. Well, there, I would say there's like, like there's an objective reality in which Christ's one time atoning sacrifice, like, like did is efficacious for all time, like to merit our salvation. And that was a real sacrifice that Christ really offers himself on the cross. But then we fast forward 2000 years and there's brother Paul who also has like <laughs> personal sin yeah. and uh, ways in which I've transgressed the laws of God. Um, and so Christ obviously saw that on the cross, but in a real way, it also allows me to like bring those places of woundedness, of brokenness, of sinful tendencies, um, and present it during the mass and like, and like unite that to Christ's own sacrifice, asking that those things too would die on the cross or, and, you know, even in the sense of like, are there things in me that need to be redeemed? Most certainly that I would also be redeemed, um, and so there's a, there's a uh, it's, so it's almost like it's more of like a gift for us. Um, like, you know, we talked about this before, too. You know, Christ could have chosen any way 
he, ch he chose to institute the mass. Yeah. He could have given us grace through other means, but instead he does choose this kind of ritual actions. Yeah. And I think this really comes back to what we talked about in one of the first podcasts too, where like he's giving us the grace according to like what it means to be human. And so there's a real sense of like, I can bring my unbrokenness to the mass and like have it ritually united to Christ in a way that actually then like, that even if I'm not feeling it, that even if I'm not having, even if I, even if like, even if just the grace I'm asking for is the grace to like be repentant, yeah. but I just intellectually know that I shouldn't have done X or whatever it is or yeah. um, like, but there's a sense in which I can know that that's like that, that that's still like contained in it. That the Lord's taking that up with him. Um, so it doesn't even necessarily have to be like an effusiveness in my own person of like really emotional or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it just like to this confidence in the light of faith that like, yeah, I'm being redeemed. Amen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think that uh, we have to remember, yeah, I've been, I've been reading some Fulton Sheen. Mm. Yes. He's, um, he's really great, but, and he's just presenting certain things on, you know, on our faith and, and he makes some really good, but very simple points. And, and basically he just says that, you know, so often today that the people, that people, um, lose a sense of that religious inclination that we have naturally as human beings. And a lot of that is because we forget that we're creature, mm. like that God is creator and we are creature. And just by that relationship, like that we owe God something. Yeah. Like there is a, I mean, even beyond like what brother is saying that, that there really is a debt of sin that Christ paid. And like, we need to then, you know, give ourselves completely over to God, um, you know, through our baptism uh, and, and accepting um, the merits of that sacrifice that there really is a, a, um, you know, demand on us to then give everything over to the Lord. But even just remembering like our creatureliness and that, you know, God is the one who our whole life should be tending toward. And so we owe him our worship. Yeah. Um, and I mean that, that word, you know, maybe if we, if, if I was smarter and could remember more things from my classes, but, <laughs> um, you know, just giving worship itself, you know, it's, it's something that, um, you, you, it's something that we do to God alone because God alone yes. deserves, you yeah. know, our, our worship and our admiration in that way specifically. But then when you add on top of that, that, you know, to sacrifice means to give, to give, you know, from your, your very self, you know, everything that you, that you possibly can over to God. And so worship and sacrifice are, are is something that goes together. And so, you know, St. Augustine, we have a, a little definition. Um, he says that sacrifice is a visible sacrifice that is a sacrament of an invisible sacrifice. Mm. So what that means is there is a visible element. So something that you're doing, some ritual, something that you're giving over, something that you're offering, that is a sacrament or a, a sign of an invisible sacrifice. And what he means by that is that at the heart of sacrifice, at the heart of worship, is that we're giving our hearts over to God completely. Mm. Um, and so we're kind of responding to that innate thing within the human heart to be united to our creator and to acknowledge him as father, to acknowledge him as God, to, to acknowledge him as the one who 
um, through Christ and through the revelation we receive from scripture in the church, the one who saves us from our sins and who asks us for that full return to him um, by receiving him as our Lord. Amen. One of the things we've been doing as we have been going through this is we've been showing where we can find the institution of these sacraments in the scriptures. Uh, and so this is the source and summit. This is the, the sacrament par excellence. So where is someone were to ask you, you know, is the Eucharist in, in the Bible, uh, where would you point them? There's um, there's a lot of scriptures, um, but if we want to talk about, you know, some of the, especially for like the institution. Yes. You know, right. so um, all of the synoptic gospels, meaning the three gospels that are not the gospel of John, <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Mark, and Luke. Luke. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, um, yeah. Called the synoptics because they have a lot of similar things within them, but they all have an institution narrative. So they all have, you know, the Last Supper where Jesus is using, you know, bread and wine. And he, especially in the Gospel of Luke, you know, is speaking the words that we use in the Mass. Um, and so just as we spoke about, I think in the first episode that, you know, Christ instituted all of the seven sacraments. Like we have to hold that as Catholics or not some invention that we came up with later. It's not something the apostles thought about later on. Um, but what we can kind of say is, is whether or not he specifically gave us all of the elements for the specific mm. sacraments. But for the Eucharist, we do say that we know yeah. because from scripture that he gave us uh, the institution of the Eucharist and we are to use bread, we are to use wine, and we know the, the essential form or the essential words that the priest needs to speak yeah. in order for the sacrament to happen. <clears throat> so the... The, the, you said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have these institution narratives at the Last Supper. Um, and oddly enough, uh, John doesn't, John gives us a lot from the Last Supper, but he doesn't give us that. So yeah. um, does that mean that the Gospel of John does not talk about the Eucharist? Absolutely not. Um, so we know that one of the, the longer discourses, and I think in a sense, it's, it's the Lord is showing us the effects of, of, receiving his body, blood, hmm. soul, and divinity. Um, and in John six, you know, we see the Lord, you know, saying things like he who does not, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood has no life within him. Yeah. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, you know, abides in me and I in him. Um, and so we get this very rich text, a very literal text, Yes, you know, um, where the Lord is, you know, using words like munch and chew, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for eat. Yeah, it's, it's not a, very, it's not a, uh, a, graphic, a symbolic yes. type of a thing, but he's being quite literal there. So it's a very important scripture for, for us to see that reality. Well, the thing I love about, well, there's so much I love about John six, but he has given his teaching about the Eucharist, how he's going to give them his flesh to eat and his blood to drink. And understandably so, a lot of his followers are kind of like, well, this is a hard teaching, you know? You know, we might translate that more modernly, you know, like this is a, like this doesn't make any sense. Like this is kind of, this is a little, is a little out there. Um, and Jesus just doubles down on it. Um, and then he, 
you know, he turns to the apostles and asks them, like, will you also leave? Um, and then Peter, you know, my guy famously says, you know, to, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of everlasting life and that, wow. You know, I would have to imagine that in their own hearts, they might have had questions as well about well, how is this possible? How are we going to eat his blood? How are you going to eat his body, drink his blood? And, um, and then he's going to show them what that means at the Last Supper when he gives them the bread and says, this is my body and gives them the chalice of wine and says, this is my blood. But but there is there is a dividing line that ironically enough, and we'll talk more about this, you know, next week, so we'll, we'll do another episode on the Eucharist next week that like the Eucharist is a sacrament of unity, but, but it also is this dividing line. Um, and so, you know, it might be hard to believe in the Eucharist. Um, and so what would you say to someone who might be trying to get into their faith, take it more seriously and, Maybe it's never really heard, you know, that that we actually believe that we eat Jesus's body and we drink his blood. Um, you know, what would you tell them to maybe if they're struggling with that and trying to understand that and helping them, you know, that that struggle of faith that that's been happening since Jesus first introduced this teaching uh, 2000 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, first of all, everyone has different different situations, maybe. Maybe it's a Catholic who's struggling in their faith. Maybe it's a non-Catholic Christian who's just never re really believed or accepted that teaching. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I would say uh, I could remember when um, I was working at a restaurant back in the day before I <laughs> uh, was doing all of this. But uh, there was there were some people that I worked with who I was you know actively trying to talk to them about the Lord and. There was this one guy who, um, you know, had kind of a rough life and, um, but he didn't have a car, so he would ask me for rides. Mm -hmm. But before I would go to work, I would stop in at a chapel and pray. And so sometimes like you ask me for a ride and I'd be like, yeah, but you have to come and pray with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I would take him into the chapel and, um, he had no idea about most of the things about the Catholic faith, right. but. I would ask him like, what did you experience? And he would always say, as soon as I walked into the church, I just felt like this, like presence over my heart, Wow, you know? And like, he had no idea about like all of the doctrinal explanations right. about the Eucharist and everything like that. But, um, like he's really there. Um, and Jesus really does make himself felt there. Um, and so I think first and foremost, it's, it's to ask the Lord for that grace. Um, and you know, St. St. Thomas, tells us that there is nothing in the senses yes. that is able to grasp that reality. It really is the sacrament of faith. Um, and it really is something that Jesus invites us into uh, that faith to, to, to believe and to trust that he really is there. Mm -hmm. um, and even for Catholics, I'm sure sometimes you feel like when you're receiving the Eucharist, you might have that that experience of the closest of Christ, but sometimes you're going through mass and it's just dry and it just yeah. feels like another mass. Um, but we are always called to, to deepen and to, to make those acts of faith that he really is there. And that when he says these words, like he says what he means and he means what he says, like, like this is my yeah. body, blood, soul, and divinity, yeah. like given up for you. Like this is really the sacrifice of Calvary represented. This is the saving mm -hmm. event that, you know, I gave my body for you. And, and, and it really is, you know, that, that same Jesus every time. So, yeah. I think Thomas says the only sense that doesn't fail us is the sense of hearing. 
mm. because we hear this is my body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so our, our our ears do not deceive us, uh, but everything else, sight, taste, touch, uh, they all fail us with this sacrament. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so obviously agreeing with, with Deacon that, that it is primarily faith. Um, but also to say, like, if you're struggling to, like, um, or even if you like you're new to the faith and stuff, like, uh, you know, to, to trust too, and like the tradition that you can mm. you can read it, like numerous church documents. I mean, probably a numerable amount testifying to the fact that it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity. You can search the church fathers who will also attest to that, and obviously, like even the lives of the saints. Mm. Um, and so it, it's not it's not just. Like there's ways in which it can be strengthened. Like, you know, we look at all these people who have been bulwarks and exemplars of the faith, who have this deep and loving devotion um, for Christ in the Eucharist. And then even if you are, you know, you know, more intellectually inclined to, it doesn't mean that we don't have a way of explaining the Eucharist. Um, it's not like irrational. Yeah. Um, we would say it's like hyper-rational, meaning that it's actually like a certain degree like above our intellect to understand. But that doesn't mean that we can't articulate it in like a convincing way of like how we account for the Eucharist and stuff too. So there's so there's all these kind of multifaceted ways in which we can like approach the Eucharist. Um, but they just tend to like, but it does at a certain point, like arguments fail, testimonials fail, um, you know, that all those things kind of like at a certain point you have to make the decision um to be like like lord you know my lord and my god to be like mm. thomas um you know my lord and my god amen yeah and i even just as you're talking brother you even think about again just what you were you know quoting from john six like there are people who follow jesus like had the physical christ with yeah. them and like jesus is working miracles and feeding the crowds and like there are still people who didn't believe that he was the son of god yeah. and so it's like that act of faith is everything mm -hmm. like to, to look at Jesus Christ, you know, crucified and say like, like my Lord and my God, you know, it's the same thing with, with the blessed sacrament, like to be able to like, and they're Eucharistic miracles. Like you yeah. can look up that the, the, the blood of Jesus actually like congeals within the chalice or like the host begins to bleed or like, and it's always like the same type of tissue from the heart and like you can look it up. But again, like these are the things that the Lord does to invite us to that act of faith. But we have to be the one to to ask for that grace and to and to make that act of faith. No, I mean, yeah, there comes up. Yeah, I think about that, too, that there are people actually saw Jesus, but they didn't see God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, that his humanity veiled his divinity. And so. There's something about the, the Eucharist that veils both his humanity and his divinity. Um, but, you know, we still can approach it with the eyes of faith and, and see it. Uh, we're going to wrap up there. We're going to come back next week with part two on the Eucharist because it is such an important sacrament. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, why bread and wine. We'll kind of talk about, you know, some of the words that we that the priest says at Mass and and why, why the priest and all these different things. But... Uh, so yeah, we're just scratching the surface right now and we're going to come back yes. with Eucharist part two next week. Uh, and our question today, uh -oh. uh, I, this has been, a. I want to, I want to ask you a question. It's not a silly question. It's actually a very serious question. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but we know that our, our Christ, you know, institutes the Eucharist at the last supper, He's then with his apostles for 40 days 
uh, continuing to give them instructions on, on different things. And certainly he would have instructed them on perpetuating this sacrifice through the mass in the Eucharist. Um, and we kind of have that whenever, every time you encounter the, the expression, the breaking of the bread, the new Testament, that can kind of just translate, you know, mass in there. Uh, and so he certainly would have, you know, given it. So the, the apostles would have been celebrating, uh, liturgy and mass. And so I wonder if you have any reflections upon what it would have been like for our lady to receive Eucharist from the hands of the apostles. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a two-part podcast on what it was like for our lady to receive the Eucharist. It's like as soon as you ask the question, it's like my my brain just sort short circuited. Oh, well, you know. Um, I mean, just I mean everything that we were just saying about like how like sometimes it can feel like Jesus isn't there, or like mm. like, like our lady would have just always made the perfect act of faith mm. to receive perfectly her son in the Blessed Sacrament with like the perfect devotion and yeah. like with all the love that, that the Lord deserves to be, you know, loved with. And, um, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, what is that even like? And, and then, sorry, but to like, even just add to your, like, then think about also like, um, sometimes you think about where she was most likely living in Ephesus. Mm. And so it's like either Paul or St. John yeah. are celebrating the liturgy and then you have like Timothy there and you have like all of these like figures yeah. and then like there's our lady, yeah, like just humbly approaching the altar, yeah. um, which, I, which maybe this is also like a thing, but like, like those men are there as like the bishops, mm -hmm. but like our lady is like woman, like in the yeah. presence of like the new Adam who is like present there in the, in the Eucharist and like, she's receiving it you know, him better than all of those men, you know what I mean? For so sure. Like, yeah, for sure. like she's not a priest, she's not yeah. a bishop, but like yeah. she's more devoted and more perfect yeah. than all of them. So, um, not, I don't even know, like that would just be, it must've been such a like humbling and like, like what, what fear and trembling you would have approached the altar gosh. knowing that the blessed Virgin Mary was like in the <laughs> congregation. <laughs> gosh, like, if you're the priest saying mass and you know that the mother of Jesus is there, you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. This is, uh, I was just like totally tangential, but like, but she is man. Yeah, like right. every mass, yeah, like amen, brother. Amen. participating amen, in brother. the, the right. like every mass she's yeah. there. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. And then I even like with Deacon's point too, he says, you know, like in humility, um, and I, I don't remember who said it, where I heard it, but you know, that like, you know, at mass, the only one standing is the priest and even our lady kneels mm -hmm. at the foot of the altar. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because the priest is Christ. Yeah, the priest, oh yeah, because the priest is Christ, yeah. not because yeah. he's. Not because the priest is sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, but like to say like, uh, like she's, yeah. she's on her knees before yeah. her son, whom she worships as God yeah. and perfectly recognizes like that this is fitting for me to show my devotion to the one yeah. whom I love. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think, you know, if you are struggling with Eucharist or you find that you've become lukewarm towards the Eucharist or, um, you know, you would just want to increase your piety and devotion towards the Eucharist. I think, I think that's a beautiful exercise just to imagine our lady, um, and what her experience receiving the Eucharist was. And I just think about how impactful it is for people to watch, the, the chosen and you know how that like influences their piety and their relationship with the Lord. And, and, um, but you know, 
we can have like a Catholic version of that, which is more real and more true, you know, and, and just kind of think about how Our Lady would have experienced these mysteries. So thank you for sharing, brothers. Uh, and so, good deacon, would you please close us in a prayer? I will try. <laughs> I believe that you could do it. <laughs> in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, for the Holy Mass. We ask you for a greater faith, a greater devotion to this sacrament, Lord, that at every Mass we would always take Our Lady's hand, that we would imitate her love and devotion uh, for your beloved Son, and that through her intercession and through her motherly love, uh, that our fervor and that our faith may grow more and more, that we may receive all of the graces of the Blessed Sacrament, so that we might be with Jesus forever in heaven. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.